0: Hi, and welcome to The Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. I'm Sarah Merle. And uh, so, Sarah, let's start this off with our normal question. So, uh, what are you eating, and what's eating you? Oh,
1: gosh. Well, uh, I am working a lot recently, so I'm not eating much because I have to take Adderall for ADHD. But when I finally get around to it, Uh, I want to, I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine who is, uh, starting a restaurant on the West side of Indianapolis and was, we're talking about, you know, the relative merits of eating chicken, bone in chicken with your hands at the table. And I said, you could turn it into an experience like at Japanese restaurants where they give you the warm hand towel. And now all I fucking want in the world is to spatchcock a whole chicken and roast it and crisp up the skin and then eat it with my hands. So I think that's what I'm gonna do after we get off the phone here or the computer or the mic, whatever. Uh, and then what's eating me is, and we'll get into this. this is literally the topic of the episode, but like something that my brain cannot stop turning over and over in my mind is just like how stupid populism is and like I know that that like that is inherently one of its features, right? like populism. And especially pop- populist fascism is like inherently stupid because it is anti-intellectual. So it has to be. And I'm just kind of amazed. Uh, I, I knew that being in the stupidest possible timeline would get really stupid. I just still somehow didn't
0: think it would get this stupid. So what about you? What are you eating? What's eating you? <laughs> well, first of all, going all medieval times and eating an entire chicken by hand sounds amazing. That's a oh, really good idea. Awesome. Um, I might do that. Uh, but <laughs> right now I've just, I've been like face down in work. So this today, all I have eaten is, does this count as eating is drinking orange juice straight out of a carton.
1: <laughs> what, what is it about orange juice that allows you to have the delusion that it's food? Cause I feel the same way.
0: It gives you a little bit of sugar high. So as long as you are taking a sip every 10 minutes or so, it can delude (laughs) you into thinking that you are um, adequately fueled.
1: And I like, in my mind, I'm like, well, it's full of water-soluble vitamins and you always need to be replacing those and it's delicious. And you know, like sometimes when you're working, you don't like food just doesn't sound good, but a cold glass of orange juice always sounds good. Exactly. So
0: I am literally sitting next to... um, the half-full 52-ounce container of (laughs) orange juice next to me, and I will be drinking a little bit as the episode goes on. Um, And what is eating me is uh, Zoom meetings. I am Mm. fucking sick of Zoom meetings. Um, Okay, I have to say, maybe this is tooting my own horn, but I have gotten very good at running extremely tight Zoom meetings. Beautiful. Specifically what is eating me are Zoom meetings that other people run that do not have defined agendas and are allowed to like uh continue to exist and go on far longer than they should and since it's not my meeting I can't be like dude it's fucking time let's go let's all go we all have better things to do with our lives.
1: <laughs> oh my god, one of my um one of my farmers markets is downtown so I get to hear like the conversations kind of happening among like important people downtown and this older woman and a younger man walked by me and she said, and I quote, I mean, you can have a six hour training, but nobody's going to hear anything you have to say after like an hour and a half. I was like, Mm -hmm. yes, this woman is trying to make you
0: keep you from making a terrible mistake. Young man, you should listen to her. If you're going to do a six hour training, this is one thing about doing, um, about doing andragogy, adult education, <laughs> is that people tend to, like, cannot focus for more than a, about 50 minutes, five yep. zero minutes at a stretch. Yep. So every 50 minutes, you need to take about a 10-minute break. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you notice that this falls neatly into hour-long segments. You can sometimes go 60 minutes with an hour-long break, but you really don't want to go more than that without taking breaks. Mm-hmm. So... Please don't just fucking wall of text it and then drone on for like six hours straight, like break it into pieces, make sure there are activities, let people have snacks. It will work. Uh, you know, for real for real estate, you have to do – well,
1: I mean for all jobs, but for real estate, you have to do continuing ed. It's just that the continuing ed for real estate is like – really really dull dry like tax and zoning stuff mm-hmm. and w- one year my mom and her partner got out and it's like they're like they couldn't have picked a worse possible person to do continuing ed it was like a person doing a character it was like the ben stein teacher in uh ferris bueller yes. and they I, I mean they said that every single realtor got out of there and they're like we need a drink we need to go to a bar we need to go to the wine store Everybody just left that place and got hammered. I mean, and I'm sure no one learned a goddamn thing, you know?
0: <laughs> this is uh so for those of you who don't know, my my uh, previous job was working in judicial education. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I still do. I still do a lot of work with, uh, with with legal education of various kinds. But one big thing you have to do is give snacks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that judicial education is a weird mix like 50/50 of kindergarten and law school amazing um so like we would around 2:30 2:45 have an ice cream break and if you've ever seen like <laughs> a lifetime appointed federal court judge just fucking go ham on an ice cream sandwich and then be like You know, I haven't had an ice cream sandwich since and then like recounts this entire childhood memory of like going to Carvel and having an ice cream sandwich or Baskin Robbins and you're just like and it's wonderful and it's humanizing and it's great, but like it's just you have this entire classroom full of gravitas like getting like licking vanilla ice cream off their fingers and and, It made the the last couple hours of the day really enjoyable. Um, And it's something that, you know, I continue to use as a tactic. It works for children. It works for judges. It works for everyone. Everyone loves ice cream. I feel bad for those realtors.
1: The idea of like a very serious old white man judge just like raising his hand with chocolate, like kind of around his mouth, you know, like a little kid is an image that I will now cherish forever.
0: Oh yeah, and uh, there was one judge. Uh, there was one of our faculty from the south who would hand out moon pies. Oh and my god! Very popular. Very <laughs> popular. <laughs> get a question right. You want classroom participation? You know, get every if you talk and you add something to the class, you get a freaking moon pie.
1: You know, the best teacher I ever had knew this better than anybody, and she would get she would go to Sam's and get a bag of mini Airhead taffy. Mm. And she would—that's how she trained us all to learn the most complicated vocabulary words. Because we had—I I f- forget—like the specific rules of the game. But the point is, if you won, you got like taffy for the round, and then you got like extra taffy if you won the game. And I tell you what—we are the most eloquent little <laughs> seventh graders you ever met in your life, just sugared up and saying <laughs> pontificate, you know, wherever possible.
0: And then uh, just w- you know, just wait for you to finish chewing the airhead.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Mrs. Willis was a real one. I just, I, you know, I give Southern Indiana a lot of shit, but I was, I'm really glad that I uh, got a lot of my education from middle-aged Southern Indiana Hoosiers. I think I benefited from that a lot.
0: <laughs> so we have, so I'm happy we started fun and light. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, boy, is it about to get stupid and dark. Yeah. Um, So let's start. In the dark. Um, we've had a lot of people <laughs> reaching out to us um, to talk briefly about, um, I'm just going to say it, the white nationalist domestic terrorism in yeah. Buffalo. Um who who f- who I always just want to start off by saying is not mentally
1: ill. This is no. this is a white fragility narrative that gets going and it's really stupid and he's not mentally ill. He knew exactly what he was doing and he knew what he was doing was wrong and
0: that's why he did it. Please
1: stop blaming the mentally ill
0: community. Thank you. I I've not heard a lot of that this time, which it makes me really happy. Um for those of you living under a rock, um, <coughs> I'll just summarize briefly that an 18-year-old um, white man uh, drove two hours yep. um, to uh, deliberately targeting a community that is overwhelmingly black yep. uh, in the, in Buffalo and um, went to a grocery store and then proceeded to shoot 13 people, I believe 11 of whom died or yes. 10 of whom died. Uh, th- at least 10. At least 10 died and one's in serious condition. Um, including the security guard who engaged um, the shooter, uh, but the shooter was wearing tactical gear, so the pistol shots did not stop the shooter. Um, The shooter also live-streamed parts of the attack on Twitch with a camera on his helmet, and then also wrote the N-word on the tip of his gun, just in case uh, people were wondering (laughs) what was motivating uh, the attack.
1: Yeah, um, uh, the the security guard, it feels worth mentioning, got off a center mass shot. So shot this person in the upper torso, uh, which is exactly where his very, uh-huh. very expensive tactical gear uh, was covering, which, again, you can buy on Amazon. There is no regulation of buying body armor whatsoever.
0: And this is a case where there was a good guy with a gun. He was a recent, the security guard was a formerly retired police officer. Yep. Um, who was probably not expecting to see a fully armed and armored, uh, shooter coming into a grocery store. Yep. Um, but he did the right thing. He was, he did not run away. He engaged. He was the good guy with the gun, but he died too. Yes. Um, I think it's good that people that it appears that no one <laughs> in power has been trying to make us believe that this was not racially motivated.
1: I would hope not. I don't. I haven't seen anything on any major scale, but you know, boy, it's a uh, you know like Elise Stefanik who who's now famous Facebook ads, which. Reported this exact same white replacement theory um, that th- that motivated the shooter. And can you uh, explain
0: white replacement theory briefly?
1: Yeah. So uh, first of all, it is it is at its roots a an anti semitic uh, conspiracy theory where uh, essentially the Jews are orchestrating the replacement of white people from non white races, and uh, the whole point is to let in, for example, the the current. Um, talking point is they're going to legalize 11 million immigrants. They're going to permanently tip the scale. And, you know, it's like, it's both about uh, electoralism, but more than anything, it's just about like miscegenation and like the quote unquote delusion of the white race. And it's just, number one, it's really stupid because that's not going to happen for a really long time. And number two, I mean, I, I know I already said this, but it's just like, it's just so stupid beyond being just incredibly hateful.
0: It's just really stupid. So, I mean, according to that theory, then my dad would be part of it for yes. adopting uh, non-white children. Yes. And then allowing yep. us to, you know, have sex with white chicks.
1: That's right. That's right. And I, I, am, I am right there with you. I am as bad as they are. I'm a white woman with blue eyes and naturally blonde hair who is choosing not to procreate and birth a white baby.
0: How dare so, you?
1: Yeah, how dare both of us? welcome to the <laughs> welcome to the White Resistance, Matt. I guess, you know, uh, I by the way, uh, the one of the funniest things to me was like, so sometimes, you know, in every group, I, I'm in a bunch of like Facebook shitposting groups, and sometimes my favorite group of people to make fun of and my favorite comedians make fun of white people. We are objectively dumb and hilarious, and, like, a lot of the weird things in our culture that have been formed around whiteness are kind of ridiculous, right? Like, uh, the idea of going, like, $100,000 in debt to have a house and, like, a car that looks good on Instagram is completely bonkers, but...
0: (laughs) And this is something uh, every every group does. You, have, right. you, you make fun of yourself. It's part of, the, it's part of the joy.
1: Fine. So anyway, every time I make fun of white people, there's always just like a billion you know, white apologists <laughs> jumping into my menchies talking about like why do I hate white people so much? And here's the thing. I'm going to lean into it. I do not like white people. By and large, like I like the white people that I like. But if you just like pull – if you put out a thousand of them in a hat and pull out one of them, I'm probably going to
0: think they're tacky. You're
1: right. You're absolutely
0: right. I think that's true generally, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily think that's limited just to white people.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I I just generally like. Uh, I I don't know. Um, it's the stupidity of it is is really not about electoralism, though. I just want to like get back to the actual yeah. thing at hand. Like they will say it's about electoralism. It's about voting. It's just about. Uh. White supremacy. It's pretty straightforward.
0: Yeah. If it sounds incredibly stupid to you, which it probably does uh, (laughs) to our listeners, I mean, this should be a super, super fringe ideology. And in most periods in American history, uh, you know, it would just be some idiots, you know, uh, talking just to each other or just their buddies. But thanks to things like the internet, uh, specifically, 4chan and 8chan, uh, which are totally unregulated. Well, 4chan is a little more regulated now, but 8chan is completely unregulated. Yeah. Um, internet uh, forums; uh, these people can find each other, mm-hmm. and that appears to be what happened to. And I'm not going to say the uh, this terrorist name. Mm-mm. This is what appears to happen to the terrorist in this case: that he was just an, uh he started off as a normal, stupid, you know, teenage white boy, and mm-hmm. then you know, wandered onto some bad parts of the internet and then got radicalized. And this is
1: like the, also the danger of, you know, when we talk about why we hate people like Jordan Peterson, who is another just like white supremacist who tries to like wrap his bullshit, his simplistic bullshit in something that looks like acceptability culture. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the whole, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I am just a one soft-spoken Uh, very wise, and calm intellectual. And so when I say that white people's brains are just better at handling complex theories, uh, you're just much more likely to just buy that straight
0: off because I've
1: trained you with my tone of voice.
0: (laughs) And did you know that lobsters have social hierarchies?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, exactly. Like, it's, you know, (laughs) there's something about there's just we've gotten to this point as you said like this used to be Alex Jones territory and Alex Jones is very clearly just like a fucking lunatic that's why he's like you know king of the fringe but Mm -hmm. because we've had this thing normalized by people like fucking Tucker Carlson and Jordan Peterson and Elise Stefanik and all these douchebags I think a lot of people who have kind of uh, what, what, what do they call that when you're like there there is something to this like apprehension about people who look different than people you've grown up seeing all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so the more insulated your white community is, the more like uh, afraid of anyone who isn't white, you become there's a word for that. It's like affinity. Ah.
0: Yeah. I mean, there there's always, I mean, this appears to be something that's just at a base level, part of human, uh, human psychology, which right. makes sense to some degree that we have an affinity. We have, uh, more trust in people who come from groups that we are embedded in and yeah. whom we trust. That the, this this makes a lot of sense when you think about, you know, the basic evolutionary right. uh, path of humanity. Unfortunately, it is, I would say, a little maladaptive. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, in today's uh, <laughs> in, in today's increasingly globalized and interconnected world.
1: I was gonna say it's it it is a useful thing in a in a world of scarcity, right? Like mm-hmm. that makes sense if you are, which we were, and we were going from ape to thing that makes like toe rings. You know, we become <laughs> like uh, or the scarcity we we have largely. I mean, I'm not like pretending that world hunger doesn't exist, but like we we've, we've solved a lot of those scarcity problems and a lot of those competition problems, which is why we have a fucking society. <laughs> And fucking societal contracts, but we still have that. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, that's why it matters. That's why busing matters. Like, that's why things like just having different faces than the, you know, white or whatever faces that you see in your family matters so much. And, like, it's why our parents are so mad at our generation. It's not because we're overeducated. We are overaccepting. They're mad mm. because those narratives are really hard to catch fire because like I went to school with a whole bunch of kids who looked all kinds of different ways for me and their families were exactly like mine and their dads got mad at them when they got a C and it's a lot harder for those narratives to take hold in me and every person who grew up around a lot of different kinds of people. You
0: know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. And especially, I mean, there was... <laughs> So I was talking uh, to my mom <laughs> about, um, particularly around trans uh, around trans rights, and this is something that she intellectually uh, understands and agrees with, uh, but she finds it emotionally difficult. She finds the sudden visibility of uh, the trans community difficult, right? But she she's working on it, and she's just like you know I think it's just a lot easier uh, for your generation um, because you know around particularly around gay rights particularly um uh talking about identity about um about racial differences we're just used to sort of making adjustments for other people's identities because mm-hmm. um especially for someone like me i have a particularly non <laughs> um, uh, uh non mainstream identity as yeah. a transracial transnational adoptee yeah.
1: um
0: you know my parents don't look like me and that is you know, that can be a little jarring for people.
1: But yeah, if you're fucking Cindy McCain calling, uh, you know, the exploited children hotline for it on a transracial family. Good job, Cindy.
0: <laughs> yeah, good, good job. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, like I, I think I told this story before, like I saw um, uh, an adopted family and uh, it was a mother. Uh, it was a white mother with a little black girl, but they were clearly mother and daughter. They're at the yeah. grocery store. And uh, they were checking out eggs. And every time the mother would pick up an egg and check it to see if it cracked, the little girl would pick up an egg and look at it. She oh. had no idea why, <laughs> but it was adorable. And uh, and then I was getting eggs. And I'm just like, I used to do that with my mom too. And the woman's like, how did you know? She like stopped for a second. I was like, how do you know she's my daughter? And I'm like, well, I was adopted too. And I just talked a little. And I'm like, but you can tell, you know, Yeah, what, oh, you can tell. So we had a, we had a good conversation about that. Oh. Um, yeah, oh my god, it was so uh, freaking cute. It made it made my day. Oh uh, <laughs> It makes me
1: that makes me tear up a little bit, Matt. Yeah. It
0: was it was really it was really lovely. I mean, this is one of the joys of being part of the Adoptee community, I have to yeah. say. Um But for people who are really struggling, really, really struggling with the idea of basically letting other people be who they are and not yeah. like shitting on them. Yep. Um, like there's this uh the, to get back to law schools at Yale Law School, there's this article about how conservative students are feeling discriminated against because their progressive peers don't wanna don't wanna hang out with them. Um, and as Jamel Bowie tweeted out, it's just like it, it's it's my constitutional right for my law school classmates to like me. Oh, <laughs> um, I can understand how that can be that can be hard, um, but at the same time, like there's a, there is a relatively easy solution of do the work. Yeah, like we've all had to do the work on some topic or another. Just like and and there's one thing about uh, these uh, progressive communities, we're pretty nice. <laughs> it turns
1: out we would actually really like to be friends with you. And like I have I have friends who are on I wouldn't say. It, it's not it's not MAGA right. It's more like libertarian right. It's like mm-hmm. if if you're gonna give me shit government services, like at least give me some of my taxes back, which like that has a logical arc to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know we would really like to be friends with you. It's when you start being hateful that mm-hmm. mm, the other <laughs> thing I I always want to say is like if you feel discriminated against, like form your own group. And if you form your own group with people who think like you, and you find that you don't like very many people in the group think on that for a second just ponder that for a while just like ponder why that why that is
0: (laughs) right these people seem crazy it's
1: like Like, mm. wow these this this person's kind of a jerk and she's kind of a bitch and like whenever i don't disagree with them they call me their enemy and i hate it it's like hmm huh yeah
0: (laughs) <laughs> and this is why you know we should we shouldn't call this this fucking uh, terrorist dude a lone wolf. He's not a lone wolf. No, he was streaming on Twitch. He had an audience. Um, he posted a man a <laughs> stupid fucking manifesto uh, online. He had he was part of a Discord community, which are like private servers where you can like talk to each other, uh, post stuff, things like that. For those of you who are not like hyper online. Um, yeah. You know, of fellow travelers. And this is something that the Batman got really, really right (sighs) with the Riddler. Because the Riddler would post these videos online and he had, you know, a a relatively small number of like 60 or 70 hardcore followers. Yeah. So he wasn't a lone wolf. He wasn't a lone crazy. Thanks to the power of the internet, all the crazies can find each other. But I have to say this young man did not start this way. Rewind this five years. Um. He's not radicalized, so... He's probably surfing Reddit and is,
1: you know, like... (sighs) I fucking hate that I have to explain this much about this being, like, deep (laughs) online, but, like, one of the big things that is pushing fascism right now is literally eight channers quote on... And and I'm quoting now, red-pilling the normies. It's Mm -hmm. about all they want is they want to radicalize normal people. The game is, there's no end game, right? Like I don't don't think any of these people want fascism. Like the game is radicalizing quote unquote normies into fascism and the more they get, that's like their gamification. So there's, you know, this whole thing- Yes, this whole thing online is like, yes, it was about committing murder. Yes, it was about violence. But, like, the violence is almost secondary. And this is why why it's so fucking stupid. Mm -hmm. Like, the violence is almost secondary to the clout. And, like, fucking kill me. Kill me. I don't want to have to live here with people who are committing mass murder for Twitch clout. Please, please. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. I'm cashed.
0: Um, also, please, please don't kill Sarah. Uh, no, I'd, no. It would make don't. it hard for me to find another co-host. Oh. Um, I mean, Lord knows what happened to the previous co hosts <laughs> 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 Just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, but this, for those of you who don't, who don't spend a lot of time online, 8chan really is a completely unmoderated mm-hmm. place that you can post child porn. You can post crazy stuff there. It's where um, QAnon,
1: it's where QAnon started.
0: Yeah. And even the guy who started 8chan now denounces it. Yes, He's like, yes. no, this stuff shouldn't exist. This is bad. Um, and this brings us to our main topic. It's Texas HB 20. Uh, the First Amendment applies <laughs> to private companies, bills, specifically internet companies we don't like. Um, so Sarah, do you want to uh, describe a little bit um, the the thrust of this bill? And then we'll get into the weeds on it. I mean, the really
1: stupid short version is Texas wants to be able to keep Twitter from banning right-wing fucking nutjobs off of Twitter, and then if they ban them, they want these people to be allowed to sue in the state of Texas. They can sue Twitter, which is based in San Francisco, but it's so mind-numbingly fucking stupid that I don't think I even fully appreciate it. So tell me where the
0: (laughs) holes are in that. Okay, so... No that that is that is the gist of it. That HB20 God. HB20 wants to prevent quote-unquote censoring which they define as like banning, demonetizing or restricting user content based on quote the viewpoint of the user or another person end uh, quote. And this is an important phrasing and I'll explain why in, in a minute.
1: I didn't realize and, by the way that demonetizing was part of it, which is really yeah. fucking prickly. That's like telling yeah. a company who they can and cannot fire.
0: It's yeah, and it, there's a freedom of association issue. See, like there, 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 are some problems. Um, and then it also says that if for for platforms with more than 50 million users, they have to do a lot of public disclosure of their content management and moderation platforms,
1: including fine. quarterly reports. I'm fine with that part. I'm fine with that. I actually don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Theirs is overreaching, but like I don't think. That particular disclosure is a bad idea. But everything else about this is so mind-numbingly fucking stupid that, like, for me as a layperson to, like, immediately just be struck by what a fucking quagmire they're setting up with this, Mm -hmm. I want you to tell me how even worse it is because I don't (laughs) even know enough specifics.
0: So the goal appears to be to sort of make moderate significant moderation even if it's algorithmic moderation virtually impossible great because it allows texas residents or the attorney general to bring suit if someone believes they have been quote wrongfully censored and note that this can these are these would amount to essentially nuisance suits right that you could just bring suit after suit after suit after suit after suit and just fighting them would be basically unworkable for um uh, for the tech company. So that's one thing. On a purely constitutional law point of view. So as most people know, the First Amendment stops the government, right, the government from basically suppressing speech uh, in most cases. And this is why the use of the quote, view the word viewpoint is really, really important. Um, I'm that, I'm
1: already exhausted. By the way, by all the bad faith arguments that will be made about that.
0: <laughs> yes. So viewpoint discrimination means specifically, and I'm going to walk down a few uh, a few levels of First Amendment law. So there's content discrimination, which means it's restrict it, the government's restricting speech about a specific topic. Right. Yep. So, like saying. You can't talk about – if the government passes a law that says you cannot talk about beanie babies, right? So that's content discrimination. Sure. A subset of that is viewpoint discrimination, which only suppresses or restricts one particular specific – on one specific um, uh, uh, perspective on the subject matter, meaning the the government passes a law that says you cannot criticize – Beanie babies. <laughs> Does that make sense? That that yes. um, that difference. Okay. Yes. So, <laughs> because this is essentially the government taking a side in public discourse, the Supreme Court views uh, um, views viewpoint discrimination as presumptively unconstitutional. Okay. 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 So. This comes from a a 1995 case, Rosenberg v. Rectors and Visitors of the University of Virginia, and I think this was correctly decided, and I'm going to give the citation here because I think it's really important. Quote, when the government targets not subject matter, but particular views taken by speakers on a subject, the violation of the First Amendment is all the more blatant. Viewpoint discrimination is thus an egregious form of content discrimination the government must abstain from regulating speech when the specific motivating ideology or opinion or or perspective of the speaker is the rationale uh, for the restriction. So pretty wonderful summation of uh, viewpoint discrimination doctrine there from Rosenberg v. Rectors. And very been applied. I was going to say very, very
1: pointedly says the government, not like entities or like, you know, business. Like this is this is as explicit as it could possibly be.
0: Mm -hmm. And this is really important because this means that, you know, being private companies, (laughs) Texas essentially is trying to apply a First Amendment standard that applies to state to, to, to governments which is completely off-base constitutionally in the first place. It tries to get around this in HB 20 uh, at the beginning by saying in under subsection three in section one, subsection three social media platforms function as common carriers. Hmm. Okay. So this is important that they're trying to treat them like common carriers and common carriers might be something like, uh, uh, like, uh, public radio or something like that, you know, Uh, you know, utilities, things that are, that might not be technically portions of the government, but are so in, in, so embedded within our common, uh, public, uh, discourse, our, the, the public in general, that they can be treated almost as like a utility or extension of the government.
1: Do you know what, did you, did you read, um, Oh, hold on, let me look up his name. But there's a a January 6th defendant who was, you know, as part of his um, pre-trial release terms, um, he was not supposed to be on the internet or on social media. And his lawyer um, made the argument, hold on, hold on, hold on. His name is, and his name is... Doug Jensen mm-hmm. uh, so Doug Jensen's lawyer made the argument that getting information from the internet is is like a you know public airwave and to restrict his right to view it is like uh, is is arguably cruel and unusual so uh-huh. it's also he said difficult to enforce, which is factual because we have uh-huh. uh, access to the internet but I mean this is
0: this is kind of the same shit yeah. like no it's this it's the same thing because remember common carriers, are presumptively and definitionally open to the general public does not discriminate or limit who they take. There are some traditionally that might be say like in other fields, it might be a railroad or an airline, right? That they just take whoever buys the ticket. (laughs) They don't ask questions beyond that. Meanwhile, um, private carriers don't, Do not, are are not assumed to extend the same contract to everybody. Right. Right. Um, So this is why, for example, when there were taxi drivers who were refusing to take single women or people with dogs uh, in one place, saying that it was an infringement on their religious freedom. um, They said that, you know, since you're a taxi, you're a common carrier. You can't, uh, you can't, you can't make those kind of, uh, uh, you can't refuse service. That makes sense. However, I want to note here that this is not true. <laughs> um, <laughs> even if one looks at the history of, say, something like Facebook, yeah. right? Facebook historically, as many people know from the movie, it started at Harvard and then gradually expanded. At first, only to Ivy League schools. Um, I remember when I was in college, Facebook came to, to came to Dartmouth, right. And it was first just Ivy League students. I know that sounds snobby as fuck, but that was the case. <laughs> and then it was only, <laughs> and then it was only college students that they gradually did expand, but they at no point ever just decided to let anybody right, right. make fake or, you know, that you have to have an email address. They only recently opened it up uh, to younger people. Like right. they've always had exercise control over who uses it.
1: And all as so this- as they all have for, you know, we're, yeah. we're like thinking about like speech reasons, but like there are reasons that we don't let 13 year olds have Facebook accounts. Like that's not a good idea. That's not a good idea to have them the same, have, give them the same access to like adult forums who where people want to prey on them. Like, you know, <laughs> no bueno.
0: Yeah, and what makes me laugh is that section subsection uh, section one subsection four tries to like hand wave this away by saying social media platforms with the largest number of users are common carriers by virtue of their market dominance. Wow, wow, and that that's just not true.
1: <laughs> also, also, again, that's that's absolutely like you know if you're going to, and I realize that like this is it, itself a bad faith argument, but like okay. Then by that argument, why is uh, Comcast not necessarily, you know, why are we not considering them under the same rules or like AMC theaters? You know what I mean? Like, well, you know, it's like makes up like 80% of the of the theaters in the market. So like, I guess we should socialize it. Like, what Mm -hmm. the fuck are you talking about?
0: So it's because by decrying viewpoint discrimination, we note that uh, Republicans in Texas are trying to claim that these. Um, Particular, these websites are discriminating uh, against conservative views. They are trying to put a finger on the scale, which is what the government is not supposed to do. Is explicitly not supposed to do. <laughs> um, I, so I just want to make this clear: the, the the deep irony in decrying viewpoint moderation by a private and en- by private entities that are not impacted by the First Amendment. <laughs> Senate, uh, Texas Republicans are trying to force private actors yeah. to carry speech they don't want <laughs> on their platforms in the name of fairness. Carry speech that, like, you know, if if we're talking
1: about, like, because ultimately we we're also talking about, like, a suspension of the Section 230, which is, like, mm-hmm. could make them liable for, like, shit. You know what I mean? Like, becomes then you become literally liable for, you know, whatever false information you allow to spread on your platform. Like then it's, you know, just put them out of business, you know, either mm-hmm. say like <laughs> we want we want a government takeover of Twitter to make it like, uh, oh, God, I can't even think of like another one to make it, you know, telegram that works uh, or we want you to go out of business like we're we're, we're just back to the world's yeah. dumbest kind of fascism for the dumbest possible reasons.
0: And not just in Texas, Florida also recently passed a similar bill. Uh, which Governor DeSantis signed, but it was enjoined by a federal okay. court there. The strange thing here, and I want to note just to give you an idea of how bad faith this is um, Texas Democratic lawmakers tried to get an amendment that would explicitly allow platforms to remove posts related to Holocaust denialism, hmm. terrorism, and vaccine disinformation. Cool. Right? So, like, that seems relatively inoffensive right? That seems common sense. Um, it did not get support and it was not added to the bill because it's never really been uh, about getting the truth out there. It's actually about promoting yes. a certain ideology. Uh,
1: the exact same thing, by the way, happened in the Florida Don't Say Gay bill uh, when the Florida legislature, like including some Republicans, were like, listen, there's no need that we need to say like we can't tell kids about like sexual orientation like we can say no children under the age of blank whatever should have any instruction about sexual activity or orientation or i forget what the language was but there was a way that they rephrased it so it didn't specifically target you know the gay community and the republicans were like no you don't fucking get it and they're like no no no, we get it we're trying to keep you from like from making this huge stupid mistake and they're like yeah thanks we'll pass we really want it we're I don't think you get what we're doing here. We really wanna we really wanna do the the real othering. You're like, yeah, okay.
0: This is why you can't buy the public characterizations of these bills. Um yeah. because they're often bad faith. They're trying of to course. obscure what the goal of the bill is actually to do.
1: Oh my god, the insane like <laughs> I guess I think the reason that I feel so hopeless about like the absolute stupidity of this moment in history is that like if you like, the, the amount of insane ideas that I see cropping up on Instagram and, like, Twitter where people are like, oh, so I guess you're fine if, like, uh, your kindergartner learns about gay sex. And it's like, what? What on? <laughs> who? What do you think? Well, who do you think is doing this? Like, you really fully—I mean, imagine, imagine the suspension of basic common sense it takes for you to be like, "Yeah, that's probably what's happening." I'm going to get real mad about that.
0: <laughs> what
1: have they have they been to kindergartens? That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, the idea—I mean, you know—I I know that the the point of having it explained is not for them to like process new information because that's not the game anymore. But like,
0: yeah,
1: you know, if my lunatic fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Reyes could talk about her divorce and all the bad shitty dudes she was dating and like come to school and cry about her broken acrylic nails. Like I promise you (laughs) a gay teacher talking about the existence of his husband is not going to damage them any more than she did, which I'll be honest. She really made adulthood seem like a bummer. And it is.
0: Uh, What I mostly remember is trying to figure out why other kids ate paste. never (laughs) made sense to me. (laughs) I tried it, it tasted gross, wasn't food. Couldn't figure you, it out.
1: Do you remember like the first kid that you saw like dig in their ear or nose or whatever and like eat it? And it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you think that like any any <laughs> any civilization sloughing off of any gay man would penetrate <laughs> the this child who is sitting here digging in his ear and then licking it off the back of his pencil. Why would you even worry?
0: I mean, those are the Stephen Millers of the world. Come on. True. Let's let's be fair.
1: Okay. Can I really tell a story? There is a kid from my class who was obsessed with me in kindergarten in a way that was unhealthy then and like immediately was like, like way back then was like, this makes me uncomfortable. Mm. So his parents, his family was very troubled, but very rich, but very troubled. But I cannot stress enough. Very, very real estate wealthy. And- Mm -hmm. He was obsessed with this idea that the Tamagotchis, I mean, he's like, he talks so much like Alex Jones that it makes me feel like he was born of Alex Jones' parthenogenesis, and he was obsessed with this idea that the Japanese had planted bombs and all the little Tamagotchi egg animals. This is like in, what, like fifth or sixth grade? What? And he was convinced that someday they were just going to press a button and all of them were going to explode, and like it was just going to like eliminate all Americans, And he had tons of... He thought like this way early on. He was obviously a huge trumper when the time came. And when he discovered that women menstruate, he was so horrified. He was like walking around. He could not stop saying to other boys in the class, like, do you know that girls just bleed? They just bleed. Once a month, they go... They just down there, just blood comes out. Just blood comes right out of them. I mean, he just would not shut up about it. And he's still like this today. Like, he lives in our hometown... And he still drives the Audi his grandparents who also raised him got him. And he like works at a furniture store that I'm pretty sure his family either invests in or owns. And then like posts conspiracy theories. And it's like this dude needs no help. Like that person, the thing that we're talking about today, like that person is not only like a passive enjoyer of this. They're desperately searching for Uh exactly the content that this white nationalist lunatic took in and internalized and fully believed. And he, you know, there are a lot of really sad, lonely people out in the world who are like desperate for any excuse to commit some violence that might make them feel a little bit of equalization with the emptiness they've always felt, you know?
0: And, and that's why, you know, if you, if you ran a, if you're a tech company and you see this guy trying to... Get people to like to stir up hate against Japanese yeah. because of the Tamagotchi bombs. Which, by the way, has he watched any Japanese stuff? Like they would try to destroy us with a giant Mecha or like Godzilla or something. Like it's very clear to me they would invest in giant robots.
1: <laughs> first, yeah, first of all, the, it would be much more sophisticated than that and uh, more insured. But also, like if just oh, I almost said his name. If this person was <laughs> on social media, then. And probably has been kicked off it many times now. But like, I just... Oh man, it's it really frightens me what might have happened mm-hmm. if he had had the access to the money that he did and the lack of supervision that he did and had been able to get his hands on this much more extremist and violent content, you know?
0: Yeah, and this is why these platforms don't want to become 8chan, right? Right. That right now, there is... For all of the faults of... You know, of even 4chan, uh, of, uh, of Facebook and Twitter, and people are on there openly planning and writing manifestos about white nationalist domestic terrorism. Yeah. Those would be taken down and potentially reported to law enforcement if it's explicit enough. Oh, you would hope. One would yeah. hope. But one you would, would s- hope
1: that it got reported and reported to law enforcement if it wasn't exactly explicit either.
0: Yes. But imagine if all of those people could then just nuisance sue over and over and over again, because Lord knows they have nothing better to do with their time. Just file thousands of suits against Facebook. Like at a certain point, the calculus changes for the tech companies and they're just like, fuck it. We don't care. Right. If we can't, it's too expensive uh, to actually moderate. So we're just going to let this place become a cesspool. And that's what happens that the, sort of marketplace of ideas is actually wrong. It's more like an, it's the wrong analogy. It's more like an ecosystem. Yeah. Right. And what happens is that if you allow in pollution, if you allow in hate speech, you allow in child porn, you allow in uh cyber bullying, what it does is it pollutes the environment. So then good speech actors leave. Yep. And this is what I want to be very clear. 8chan is not a haven for all sorts of speech. Because technically all speech is allowed. Technically all speech is allowed. But if I want to like talk about my favorite knitting patterns, I don't want to be on a platform where someone can come in and post explicit and violent child pornography. I was just going to
1: say, you took the words out of my mouth. I was like, it's not like there's like a fucking sewing section on 8chan. You know, like that's not where you're going to go for that content.
0: Because if you did go there for that content, you would be constantly being harassed and right. there would be nothing you could do about it. Literally. Right? Yeah. L- literally. And I am part of internet forums. I am part yeah. of one particular private forum. I've been part of it since 2006, which now makes me feel super old, yeah. but the reason it works is that it is highly moderated. Yep. Um that's what prevents people from just, you know, going off the rails. The
1: but, uh the uh neighbor- do you are do are you in a neighborhood Facebook group or anything like that? Yes. Like those are can can become some of the greatest cesspools of horrible, disgusting information. And uh, we're really lucky that the Irvington Facebook group is heavily, heavily moderated (laughs) and has probably honestly kept a lot of like uh, predatory lending people from coming in and like fucking up our neighborhood. Like it really goes beyond, you know, just like things people don't like online. I mean, it really is as serious as like preventing violence and like exploitation.
0: Yeah. And for anyone who hears the weird noises of uh, that might sound like I'm being attacked by a uh, by a bulldog, it's because uh, I am my hand is being um, gummed <laughs> aggressively by my do- by Benny, my dog right now, because he decided he wanted some attention. Um, <laughs> so. So the, the law in Florida got blocked by a federal court court and the yeah. law in Texas was originally enjoined in December by a federal district court judge. They said, quote, it says, the First Amendment protects a company's right to moderate content and parts of the law are, quote, prohibitively vague. Yep. End quote. Then uh, a ter- Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton appealed to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals.
1: Could, now, we, could we have a song? Could we, like, start doing, like, musical stings for... Like, repeat dipshits. Like, can we, can for Ken Paxton, can it be, like, kind of a royal, like, funeral or a, a royal trumpet flourish? And then it's, like, a deep voice that
0: just says, King Dipshit. <laughs> Ken Paxton. Yeah. Okay. Because, he, God, he's dumb. God, um.
1: he's dumb. He <laughs> looks dumb. He's one of those people that just looks like the slack-jawed moron that he is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, it, is, it is the strange uh, confluence of insides and outsides being in perfect harmony. I honestly like,
1: you know, it's so with QAnon, there's like a huge overlap between that and uh, prescription uh, opioid abuse. Like, he's somebody that I would really, really like to see his piss test. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, I want to see the results of the piss test. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. God. Let's be extremely clear. Again, please kill me. No. Yeah. <laughs> so the Fifth Circuit uh, a Court of Appeals is widely known as the most conservative read batshit <laughs> yep. circuit in the federal judiciary. And they had a third, a three-judge panel, and they did not issue a, a written opinion. It was two to one. Um, and they're just like, you know, we're going to remove the stay on the it's law. It's literally the
1: the circuit court version of fucking send it. Yep. That's it. yep Send it.
0: There is no explanation. There's no reasoning. <laughs> it's just like, eh, let them see what happens.
1: Yeah. Fucking send it,
0: dude. Uh, there has been obviously an emergency uh, application to the Supreme court, but emergency applications are overseen by the justices. And who is the justice who oversees the fifth circuit?
1: Da, 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 King dipshit! It's Samuel Alito.
0: <laughs>
1: oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truly, like you know, this is like finding out that the person who approves uh, all the uh, vacation and PTO is like someone who who's like family whose wife left them and took the kids, and you're like, oh, so no vacations for a while, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh.
0: <laughs> However, I am cautiously optimistic not because of Alito, but because this law is so flagrantly unconstitutional, wrong, yeah. stupid against settled precedent that they probably want to hold <laughs> because if you think about because if you think about ultimately what the conservatives on the court want to do, is they want to suppress certain speech, but not others. Right. right? And this and allowing this would sort of take away that capacity to some extent. Um, that I, I I've been talking to a particular first amendment specialist. Um, I'm hoping that he'll come on the program to talk a little bit more in depth about this and, and the history of these sorts of laws. Uh, but his, his, uh, his, be- his belief in the way that the Roberts courts works is that it tries to promote the speech of the powerful while suppressing the speech of the powerless. Right. But by allowing a free-for-all, theoretically you know, left-wing trolls would flourish just as much as right-wing trolls. Yeah,
1: but, like, we're busy. We, like, we're not on, I mean, plenty of us are on opioids, I'm sure, but, like, you know, we're, like, not trying to, like, find out who the leader of the secret cabal is online, generally. Generally? (laughs) (laughs) There is Blue on. It's pretty embarrassing. I mean, there's embarrassing fringe factions of any movement, you know?
0: I mean, at, at that point, then I might as well just try to start a cult. Yeah, uh, I'm saying. At, yeah, at that point, then I think that I'm just going to go to Plan Z in my life in my life <laughs> chart, and then just start the freaking cult because you know all, all bets are off. Yeah. Um. So there is not a ton to for me to say about this legally because, as I laid out. It's just so pants on – so under underwear on head stupid. <laughs> I do want to talk about the demonetization. It's not even removal. They also they, – they say the, the specific policy remo- uh, violating things could be content removal, content demonetization, content deprioritization. Okay. Okay. So, so- – Yeah, I want to note demonetization and deprioritization very specifically. So,
1: so what they're saying is basically, I mean, promote us or, or we're going to get you. Yeah. Like favor our content, no matter how incorrect or misinformed or, you know, violent or inciting it is like you
0: must put it at the top of the page. Yeah. And let's think this through from the point of a, a, a content platform, right? Let's say you don't want to be, you don't want to fully suppress speech. Something's on sort of the borderline, right? That you're not quite sure. You don't think that this is good. This is, this is violent content that it's promoting violence, but you're afraid that it could. Right? Right. So what you might do is just say, you know what, we're just not going to promote this content on like front pages, Right? That if someone searches for this specifically or knows the username, they can access it. Yeah. But we're not going to spread it to new users. Right? Yeah. Um, there was a, uh, uh, one of my friends worked in self publishing for a while, and one of the first books he worked on was a big screed about against the CAC Jews. K A K J E W S. Oh. Okay. Uh-huh. I want to note that it never defined what a CAC Jew is. I still to this day don't know. Okay. Um, imagine that guy posts it, and they're just like, "Well, it's unclear whether or not they're talking about actual Jews or something completely fanciful." Okay. So they just deprioritize it. It doesn't show up. It doesn't show Mm -hmm. up uh, on people's front pages. It basically would have to search for it directly uh, to access it. That would prevent them from doing this. Um.
1: Do you think that part of the problem here is that, like, a lot of, like, uh, a lot of people who are educated and have, like, completely intact, um, like, reasoning skills are kind of immune to fully taking in, like, how addictive and how steep the slide is for some people with this? Like, do you think it's, like, oh, well, that's crazy. Like, only the craziest person would believe that. And it's, like, uh, I have really bad news for you, man.
0: Well, I think for some people, yes. Although, you know, you do end up with the Ben Carsons of the world oh uh, God. who believe that the pyramids are full of grain. And yes, I will continue to mention this over and over again. I think you should. I also think we need to, like, make room for the fact that some
1: people are really, really smart at some stuff. And then that. <laughs> You know, you don't have to be like you don't have to you don't have to like reason your way through uh, brain surgery like, you know, there are certain structures and when there is a tumor, you know, there's like a way to remove it, blah, blah, blah. Like you can be a passable surgeon and like, you know, not have very good like critical thinking skills, quite frankly, because you don't really need them in surgery.
0: This is this is what happens when you let people take only the science courses and not the humanities. Dude,
1: it's not a joke. It is not a joke. One of the saddest things that happened is like when I was in at Butler and I was going through my writing program, you know, a lot of those kids have to get their – it's a liberal arts school. You got to get your writing credit. And so they would like jump into a, you know, for example, a workshop and just turn in the same essay like three times and you're like – oh cool what are your like editing iterations you're like no nah, i thought the first one was pretty good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're like okay well this is just like a kind of a boring story about your family going to the beach and you're like yeah i think it's awesome it's like oh, okay well uh, thanks for your time
0: yeah uh that is always when, when i was when i was working with with when i was teaching college students teaching them how to uh revise was always always a fun process but this is part of you know learning how to do critical thinking it's how yeah. also how to assess the quality of your own thought right <laughs> um, metacognition or thinking about thinking yeah is a super important skill super important skill but it's something that's often anyway i'm getting off i'm getting into one of my areas of interest but not necessarily on topic here
1: we'll come back to it it'll have its own episode
0: yeah demonetization is even trickier right? That right now, a classic reason to get demonetized might be because for a violation of copyright.
1: Yeah. You're like one of the fucking idiot Paul brothers who filmed a a person who had ended their lives body hanging in a Japanese forest.
0: And you're like, (laughs) that's so crazy, dude. That's crazy. (laughs) And you can see why you might want to demonetize content that is plagiarized, that is offensive, that is graphic. Um, because you don't want to encourage or promote content creators to do that. Right. Right. You don't want people just going around trying to find the most shocking or disgusting things because again, cesspool problem. Uh, you know that like there was a video by one popular YouTuber with him basically just jumping out of a plane. He he claimed that it was failing and it was crashing
1: Not only was Um, it
0: any plane, it was a, it was antique collectible
1: plane from the 1930s. It was a really um, important piece of uh, pretty pristine aeronautic history. Uh, And he had rigged the whole thing up there. I, I fell down this hole so hard because I was fascinated by all these other pilots, like just going through frame by frame and being like, okay, this is stupid. No one would ever do that. Like, you know, just like. Without a doubt, this is an intentional crash. Anyway, he ended up getting demonetized. He probably did he get kicked off the platform? He did. And also the FAA is investigating. Yes. Oh, this is the best part. So what I learned in 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 the process of doing this, this is just a side note, is if the FAA finds out, like they can take away not just your pilot's license, but like there was a woman who flew under a bridge. She was like in her sixties. It was awesome. She was like, I have to do this before I die. And she was a, you know uh, specialized flight instructor. They stripped her of all of her certifications and she had to start over uh, as like a student pilot. So, I mean, it, it's Damn. like like this guy went for clout again and like mine ended up not being able to fly a plane for a
0: while. But this, this is why you want to demonetize that right. content is you do not want your content creators doing things that are illegal, dangerous, and harmful. Yeah. Um, in a desperate bid for money. And you just say, we are not, we're, like, even if they didn't kick him off the platform, they can be like, nope, no money for this one, yep. which sends a clear market signal. I thought we liked markets. Um, <laughs> a clear market signal of what kind of content is going to be allowed to make money and what isn't because they don't want to be accessories to crimes. Right. Um. So by uh, removing the ability of essentially these platforms – to moderate themselves, to uh, control the content on their platforms, it would essentially make... Can you imagine Facebook just being the Wild West? Oh my god. Oh my god. I... I'm i just saying, it, <sighs> things can always get worse. Ugh. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, um, the law doesn't also provide any specific penalties for breaking the law, which is also vague. <laughs> So if you're a tech company, you don't even know what you would be on the hook for. Oh, my God. Um, And, and you know, this is one of those things where it's like, how would you even
1: evaluate that, right? Like, if it's a page that's monetized, right, and you're like, oh, well, you know, I would have lost out on, you know, X number of clicks or views. There's no possible way to know in, in the viral content world. So it's like, again, enforcement, none. Do you just, like, shut down the platform? That's what you get?
0: I don't know. It's unclear. Exactly. (laughs) That's why it's vague. That's why being vague is a defect for such a law and why the district court properly and in a reasoned opinion (laughs) enjoined it, unlike the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, which just said, nah, have at thee. Um, (laughs) Let's see what happens. Which is always a terrible idea. Just let's see what happens, by the way, is never a good idea. <laughs> um this you is should a, we're not a b testing the subject line of a newsletter email you know what yeah. i mean i'm being very specific in the law let's yeah. see what happens is a terrible <laughs> idea uh because um often things once you let them start they're hard to rein in you can have un- you can have harms that you cannot roll back for example like if you just you know well, have at they see what happens, and then suddenly that you know their direct Facebook gets directly tied <laughs> to to helping organize like fifteen uh, mass shootings. You can't unwind or undo those mass shootings.
1: Oh my god, the idea of like being able to use something you know like Facebook, which has been built for the last you know five or six years to create like calcifying insulated groups, like that's like kind of the thing that Facebook algorithmically is best at. Mm -hmm. You know, being able to use that to, like, create a, you know, fight club style terrorist event is, like, truly the stuff of nightmares.
0: Um, That weird noise you heard in the background was Benny um, complaining because I stopped petting him for (laughs) one second. Um, So if you ever wonder what I'm doing while I am recording, I am comforting my bulldog because I am not paying attention to him right now. Right. Uh, Yeah, I know. Just. Terrible, terrible things. I am a, the worst bulldog dad ever. Um, so we should all be keeping tabs on HB 20 and whether or not the Supreme Court does its fucking job. Yeah. Um, and is like, nah. And like, I think they should just easily over, this should be like open and shut. Just overturn uh, the Fifth Circuit, reinstate um, the district court's ruling of the injunction um no i want to note that also the florida case is being um uh is being appealed that a bunch of states including texas have joined on to that appeal they're probably not going to win that one because it's just as defective as hb20 but this is not a sole effort that these are attempts by red states and and to basically and when we talk about like gerrymandering and voter suppression people can be like well it doesn't matter for the presidency it doesn't matter um uh for the senate the problem is is that if you have heavily gerrymandered state legislatures there you go they can pass these crazy fucking laws and then if you have sufficiently dumb or ideological courts they can then try to apply them to the entire country. Because notice Texas doesn't just allow, you know, Texas citizens to go after companies in Texas. Oh, I
1: didn't know that. It allows them to
0: go everywhere. Ah. Uh, so they sue you in Texas because Facebook does serve people in Texas. But, you know, either Facebook could be like, sorry, if you're in Texas, you can't use Facebook. Which would be funny. Which would be a funny um, result of the actually- law. Actually,
1: Actually, how fucking I I think that beyond anything else would move the needle towards uh, at least maybe not towards Democratic uh, voters, <laughs> but like maybe away from Republicans. It's like all those fucking QAnon nut jobs who wouldn't have access to Facebook all of a sudden, you know, would be they would be furious. It's like they're it's literally their their other drug, you know. Yep. <laughs>
0: that, maybe, maybe maybe I should recommend that to Zuck. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's probably not going to happen, although that would be the funny result. Um, but the whole point is to try to take a minority of the minority's viewpoints and force them on everyone else. And note this is not like a choice. You can choose to do it this way. No, they're trying to change the entire policies for everyone on the platform. Great. Mm-hmm. on the upside though i do have to say on the upside it really 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 does highlight and i hope that the legal community takes this to heart that like the legal arguments here are irrelevant that texas knows that like the texas lawmakers know that this isn't about the first that this isn't about the first amendment they know they're wrong on the law here they just expect Rig, uh, that the the courts are going to do as they say, because Trump tried to stuff the judiciary. And,
1: and like, you want to talk about like the most naked kind of bone throwing to the fringe, right? You know what I mean? Like, Hey, listen, man, we're going to make sure you can get right back on Twitter. You're going to have your old handle back. We're going to make sure that you can keep on tweeting that pandemic movie. We're going to make sure it goes up to <laughs> the top of everybody's feed. And buddy, i tell you what, uh, you're gonna have all your content, all your old friends back, and it's not gonna be. It's gonna be just like the good old days, and by the good old days, I mean when you're high as fuck on oxycontin and you're in here just, uh, you know. Uh, I don't. I'm. I've really lost the bit already. No, it's, um, it's okay. But, you know, I mean, it's, the 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 point is that like this is just naked, stupid, mm-hmm. bone
0: throwing to stupid people. Sorry. And when the bad consequences come, when Facebook becomes a new uh, you know, 8chan. Then those be like, oh, it, it, you know, mental health issues. Oh, lone wolf. But no, it's the, it's, it's the consequences of these types of policies. These are foreseeable. We are foreseeing them now. <laughs> it's, it's exactly the same people who want to believe
1: that things aren't their fault and it's just Mercury and retrograde joining a group that's like, listen, it's not your fault. It's Mercury and retrograde. And everyone in the group is team not your fault, Mercury retrograde. Like, you know, you could become a, an astrology idiot, or if you're already really angry and you're a white supremacist, you know, sort of in passing in the way that it's baked into our culture, and then you get involved in this group that says it's not your fault; it's because all these other races are here. Like you're, you are hungry for that not for that um, affirmation, whether you want to admit that or not. And then this is just a way to make that easier for people to feed,
0: F- feed the worst parts of themselves. Yeah. And we always talk about, you know, what we're eating and what's eating us. Yeah, sometimes it's good things, sometimes it's bad things. But I think it's important that we all try as best as we can to feed the best parts of ourselves. And like I always, you know, when I mentioned Benny, it's always him being needy and he is. But, you know, this is the best part of myself is is the person who cares for other people, um, animals, who cares for everyone around him. That that's the part of me I try to nurture as much as possible, and I, luckily I'm in communities and have friends who promote that part of me. Um, but that's not accidental, you know. That this was something I learned, and also part of the communities I was embedded in. So our hope is to make sure that everyone can find those healthier communities, and that like, unlike. Um, the domestic terrorist in Buffalo, they don't wind up falling down, um, you know, these deep, dark holes that they can't get out of because right. ultimately we all pay the price for that. And, and the choice,
1: the choice of, you know, this person to seek out this content is his choice. And Facebook can't do fuck all about that. I understand that, Yeah. but Facebook makes a choice every time it rewrites that algorithm about what kind of information it serves up you know automatically on the next whatever real play or whatever you know you you that is a choice that they have full control of and what texas is trying to do is not only wrestle that control away (laughs) but turn it into you know negative it's like it you know it'd be angela davis's negative freedom you know what i mean it's like Mm -hmm. the freedom to put as much violent content that does nothing for anybody except you know anger them and upset them that's the freedom that i want it's like well no this is that's we're, we, the First Amendment is uh, uh, has its limitations for a reason, and that's the whole reason that we signed this responsibility over to private corporations.
0: So there's this. So Ibram X Kendi of uh, anti-racist, how to be an anti-racist, fame yes. has this wonderful article in the Atlantic. It was from April of this year, and I thought it was prescient, and. It's titled The Danger More Republicans Should Be Talking About. And the main thrust of the article is essentially that Republicans are all angry about, you know, critical race theory and all that stuff, which is not actually dangerous to their children. No. The real danger to their children is white supremacy.
1: Yeah, it's white replacement theory. If we're, yeah. going, to, if we're going through replacement theories, if we're going through
0: racist theories, you know. And notice the radio silence. Of course. And I think Professor Kendi nails, to me, he shows both the hypocrisy and sort of like the tragedy um, at the center of current Republican politics. That for a party that is more and more nakedly pro white or, you know, uh, pro whiteness, yeah. they are ignoring the actual threats to their young people it's not people like me who try to you know teach the truth about slavery and the truth about american history that might be upsetting for a moment but it makes uh, it makes students smarter more resilient better critical thinkers and more grounded in his, historical truths the real danger to young white people particularly young white men is white supremacy the the fantasies and the the violent fantasies um, of this increasingly violent and radical movement that uses the internet to poison the minds of, of their children that is the real threat that I don't know that like either they are willfully I think that they're just willfully ignoring I, I also think that like
1: white supremacy if you believe it also takes away a layer of personal responsibility right like if you mm. believe as my fucking republican dad fully does that like you know oh when when a uh um god what's i um affirmative action like you know whenever like a a, a black student gets into uh harvard you know it's like it might be it might be taking the place of a white person you know it's like even something that's like kind of on the, as far as like the hate continuum goes, that's like a little bit more inert. It's less like openly violent, you know, if we're talking about like the, the pyramid structure, uh, like even that, you know, if we're talking about like, Oh, like what happened, what has happened to all the men? It's like Mm -hmm. the white supremacy theory also like turns you into somebody who just blames all your problems and lack of personal development on somebody else. You know, it's like this, boogeyman that just also takes away any of your own personal agency to like become a better person or achieve a little bit more or like hey what about hey brad here's an idea what if you're finally having to work as hard as every other black person or woman or asian person or whatever like has ever had to work to get noticed in the workplace like i bet equality feels bad when you're used to just getting a free pass you
0: know and there will be people there waiting to capitalize on that what everyone goes through, that sense of alienation, right. disaffection um, that most people feel during their teenage years. And, and if, if you're out there thinking, you know, it can't be my kids, it can't be my grandkids, that about 17% of 13 to 17-year-olds have encountered white supremacist views on social media, according yep. to the Anti-Defamation League. And TikTok is a big place uh, for it. And you see not just white supremacy, you see anti-black views, anti-Asian views, anti-LGBTQIA views, uh, anti-Semitism, anti-Muslim content, uh, misogynistic content, that there's so much of it, right? And they do it through meme format. And note that these are mostly adults using memes and these platforms to try to prey on impressionable and vulnerable youth.
1: Yeah, it's also now, you know memes also make hate very digestible. You know, mm-hmm.
0: oh, very, very. And so what they and what the social media uh, companies have to do and what they're constantly doing is trying to adjust their algorithms to slow and stop the spread of this material. Yeah, right. That even if they can't instantly uh, block everything, there are some fingerprints, and they're constantly sort of in a in a uh, silent war with these uh with these uh uh content creators um on how to algorithmically suppress them right so this is like we talk about grooming right they're always talking about like Ugh. child pornography the real grooming that happens on these platforms is like you know 40 year old men grooming 14 year old boys to become white supremacists yep because you know uh, that uh that's the real goal that's that's that when QAnon is talking about grooming and stuff they're using the right word but describing the wrong phenomenon
1: also i don't think people understand the degree to which online white supremacists are aggressively aggressively seeking new membership and seeking to influence people there were something that happened during the QAnon stuff is uh there were quote unquote raids um, in different like forums where like white nationalists or white supremacists would go into these QAnon forums and would often find a very, very sympathetic ear because they're already willing, you know, I mean, QAnon is like all great conspiracy theories really based in antisemitism, that old Mm -hmm. Coca-Cola classic. And uh, you know, they would, these were very successful. And then they had, there were other reports, listen to the podcast QAnon Anonymous, but There were uh, other reports from people showing up to these uh, like rallies, QAnon rallies um, and like handing out, you know, white supremacists or Nazi or whatever, like pamphlets and stuff and saying, oh, yeah, you know, these are these are some of the most receptive people that, you know, these are some, some of the most receptive audiences that we've ever had. So, you know, we talk about like free speech and free exchange of ideas it's like it's it's like it's not as easy to just separate these two communities out you know it's not like qAnon <laughs> doesn't qAnon only deals in like you know ivermectin deep underground base child bullshit whereas the nazis are doing their nazi thing no 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 there is so much bleed over in all yeah. these groups and that's like <laughs> Sorry, let's go. I mean, if you if you dig far enough back under the thick bush of uh whatever conspiracy is based on othering, at the base of it will be anti-Semitism. And that's that's kind of the, the root from
0: which all these things grow, you know? And that's one thing that like the anti-defamation league, which which grows out of first started by studying anti-Semitism, but right. then really now focuses just on hate in all of its forms because they're all related. Um There was this – that's why they they do these sort of studies. And there was a leak from one of the – from the single largest – I'm not going to say the name, but the single largest uh, group responsible for white supremacist um, Mm -hmm. propaganda in the United States. Uh, The leak said, and I quote, um, this group, quote, preys on teenagers recruiting members through the internet who are still legally minors, indoctrinating them with white supremacist ideology – and even encouraging them to lie to their parents so the group can transport them across state lines for fascist events, Yep. end quote. So well, this is why when we, when we talk about the shooter in Buffalo and we talk about um, HB 20, why they're part of the same episode. Yep. Uh, because speech like the ones that the Texas lawmakers are trying to unleash, whether purposefully or ignorantly, Um, through their law, that's what helps lay the groundwork and create the environment for uh, people like the uh, domestic terrorist in Buffalo um, to become radicalized and then inflict this kind of violence um, on vulnerable communities.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's really not that hard. And I hope that that's part of the sort of media backstory that comes out but to trace the stuff you know this is a kid who probably you know four or five years ago was probably on r the donald on reddit and was just posting like shit posting right wing to hard right you know memes and then r the donald got shut down and he probably went over to telegram or you know whatever he wanted he wanted to hang out with his friends right he felt like a sense of community from you know just sort of shit posting white supremacists you know from r the donald well then he you know just like you said he gets in a group on telegram or on whatever with a 40 year old seasoned recruiter from a nazi group or whatever and then all of a sudden you know these two people this this person is the adult Uh, you know maybe parent figure or maybe you know mentor figure that this young man has always been looking for and this person says yeah great hey listen just tell me what you want and when you turn 18 i'll take you to the gun store and you can get whatever you want you get all the guns you want and then we'll follow through with our plan you know this Mm -hmm. won't be the story won't be about a kid who suddenly quote unquote snaps one day It'll be a kid who used, like, a Tor browser or, you know, some sort of, like, VPN or whatever to, like, get around having his uh, online activity tracked and has been in these far-right forums for probably years upon years.
0: Uh-huh. And this is, and this is not, like, this is, not, these are not. I mean, stochastic terrorism, you never know exactly when it's going to happen, but you know it's going to happen. Like, these are not um, like bolts from the blue, right? right? That these are foreseeable, that there's one thing that really pisses me off and the people who are just like, oh, you know, Democrats and Republicans are the same, blah, 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 blah. (sighs) That during the Trump administration, there were a lot of officials in the Department of Homeland Security who tried vainly... (laughs) for months and years to get the trump administration to shift resources away from investigating muslim uh, terrorism and extremism mm-hmm. to far right white nationalist terrorist mm. threats both internally in the united states and abroad couldn't get them to do it trump administration refi- either either out of ignorance stupidity i don't uh, or oh, um, come on believing their fellow travelers mm-hmm. um refuse to recognize the threat of white white supremacist uh, domestic terrorism um, in the United States and also far-right terrorism abroad. And we are now reaping that bitter harvest that and investigations of these types take a long time. Getting resourced properly and getting everything set up takes time. And when they get de-emphasized, uh, get uh, defunded, and then get dismantled, the next administration can't just rebuild it overnight. It takes years to get things back up to speed. Yep. So one bad administration can set back years and years and years of work. And so we're we're behind now. The Trump administration set us behind um, on getting a handle uh, on, on this threat. And I think that we're going to be, unfortunately, um, it's a note that it's not primarily the white communities who will, Um, suffer for it. It won't be the communities that largely voted for Trump. It's going to be communities like the black community in Buffalo. Um, I have to say that there's a ton of fear in the Asian American community. Of course, the Muslim and Jewish communities in the United States, they're the ones who are going to pay the price. And when we talk, when we're talking about,
1: you know, early in the episode, we were talking about uh, grooming this, this uh, use of this grooming word, and, and to your point about stochastic terrorism, that's the point of using, that's the point of setting up that sort of uh, character foil between like the patriots and the groomers is, you know, you're counting on both the sort of bottomless rage of victims of child abuse and people who want revenge and people who have access to weapons to sort of create terror in the world that will allow you a kind of cultural domination. I mean, like, you know, the point of, of being able to kick people off and regulate content is literally to prevent acts of stochastic terrorism. Uh, And um, again, I'm so sorry to plug this podcast again, but the QAnon anonymous (laughs) episode about the um, butterfly sanctuary in Texas that was kind of overrun by all these QAnon nut jobs uh, is, is really interesting. That woman uh, who runs the place just said, you know, I know what they're trying to do. They're getting, they're trying to get someone to come here and commit an act of violence against me.
0: (sighs) And I was uh, communicating with uh, one of my black friends who's just, he's scared.
1: Yeah. Um, he's also, scared. Also yeah. that grocery store was, that was not only in a very, it was an 80% black zip code, but also like an 80% older, you know, not 80%, but like a, a, a neighborhood that also trended older. So it was like, uh-huh. you know, the, no, the, the, the with knowledge, you know, elimination of, of a community's elders feels like a very,
0: very particular kind of choice. You know what I mean? Very much so. I mean, one of the, the victims, he was there to buy a birthday cake for his three year old's birthday.
1: Oh my God. The, the, the stories are, I mean, you know, obviously read those, do not read about the shooter. It, it ultimately, you know, you'll get the details from someone, but you know, it was people there in the morning shopping for like, Feeding the community events, or yeah. you know what I mean? It's just like old people who are just trying to, like, like everybody. I mean, n- you know, no terrorist victim is above any other, but you know, just like people living their lives. And I mean, that's the whole point is that we're supposed to feel that the people targeted, the black community in New York and everywhere, is supposed to feel scared just going about their normal lives every single day. That's always the
0: point. And I've been personally lucky enough that I have not been physically attacked, but. I've been asked by my friends why I continue to wear my mask in public. Um, And the reason is as an Asian in the United, in, you know, post Trump's America, I have been harassed enough in ways that have luckily not been violent that I just simply don't want to (laughs) risk being seen as a threat or um, irresponsible by any angry white person. I don't want to be a scapegoat. And it's safer for me to simply wear the mask and sort of forestall those conversations or confrontations. And I will continue to do so for a long time. I don't know when I'm going to stop. Um, That's the point is, and I know that, you know, maybe I'm quote unquote, letting the the terrorists win or whatever, but like, I'm also a human being.
1: Yeah. Um, you don't know like I was just gonna say, please do not hold yourself to the standard of being uh, you know, some sort of like icon for a movement.
0: Just get yeah. through the day, man. Yeah, exactly. And the whole point is to make make us scared. And the thing yeah. is that it works. That if it's pervasive enough and it's constant enough, and Lord, it is constant, um, it does make people scared. It doesn't stop people from living their lives. Um, but man, it hurts. And so it sucks um, to have to think about it. Like, you
1: know, I don't know what it's like to be a non-white person. And I I, all I know is the experience of myself as a as a woman, even as a white woman, you know, the, just like the idea that sometimes that you pause and think about, like, should I put my hair up in a ponytail or will that make it easy for a stranger to mm-hmm. grab? You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure you feel probably the same resentment that I feel sometimes, which is like, I fucking hate that I have to think about this. I hate that I have to, like, have this thought in my mind of, like, how do I prevent
0: a crazy person from harming me one. Yeah. Yes. And some days I can sort of laugh it off other days. It hurts more, um, than I let on. Um, and so I think I, I want to, uh, wrap things up with something a little bit, (laughs) a little bit more hopeful. Um, I'm in. So, uh, last week my mom got COVID um but she's been vaccinated like for those who don't know my mom is a three-time cancer survivor she's on maintenance drugs so she's partially immunosuppressed yep. but she is like vaccinated you know up the wazoo so many times um she uh she caught it quickly that she's feeling a little under the weather she's like i don't know if it's covid i might as well get checked boom test positive They put her on the antivirals immediately. And then uh, two days later, she is fine.
1: (laughs) Love that. I love that.
0: Um, She is still testing positive, although she feels great. Like she just brought in the lawn furniture. Uh, She (laughs) just put out the lawn furniture for the summer and did some gardening. Like she's fine. The worst impact of this is that they've had to postpone uh, their trip to Bermuda. Oh, Um <laughs> because you have to have uh two negative tests before you go to Bermuda and they're not gonna make that deadline. Dang. Uh, unfortunately. That's okay. They're gonna go in June. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. Um but, but I just man, wanted to whew. I just wanted to say like, you know, we all had that butt clench moment of terror. <laughs> <laughs> um but I think the least scared person was my mom because she knew that she felt okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh but I just wanna thank all the amazing scientists public uh public health uh workers my mom's doctors um everyone who and all of her friends uh for helping keeping her safe until now so that when she did get it um she was vaccinated that the antivirals were immediately yes. uh available so that this was just an irritation yes um and not uh you know so all the thi- the only thing that happens is they have to re- plan for a delay of their vacation rather than planning for a funeral.
1: Yes. And I was going to just going to say big ups to her community for also realizing that all of our health is interdependent. So please get vaccinated.
0: Yeah. Also, her boyfriend got COVID as well, obviously. Um, He's also fine. (laughs) Uh, Everyone's doing great. So that was, I mean, I was worried. It was weighing on my mind. But now I'm just like, getting texts from her, calls from her. She's, she's doing great. So it's been, this was a thing I've been scared about, you know, since this all happened, uh, since COVID started, but you know, Ooh. like we crossed that bridge, everyone's good, all is well. Ah, uh, that is kind
1: of a scientific miracle, right? I mean, a, a year ago or a year and a half ago, you know, maybe not quite as assured. And now it's like, you know, she you know she got to sit on the couch and drink some soup, and then she was fine.
0: It's pretty amazing. <laughs> exactly right. That like the worst thing that happened is that she had like a cough for a couple days. Yeah. Uh, she's like, I feel all right. I just have this cough, <laughs> and then two days later, uh, I call her to check up on her, and she's right as rain. Like it's crazy. She's like, Oh yeah, I'm just you know outside doing some gardening. I'm like, Wait, what? We just
1: like. <laughs> We live in a constant medical miracle, just like 24 seven. We're just existing in like, you know, like all skating down the razor's edge of of medical modernity. And we're like, ugh, this is such a pain in my ass. And it's like, oh, no, I damn it. I live to see another day. It's like <laughs> by on the point of a needle, I I made it. But like, we're all just doing that all the time. And we're not nearly as thankful as we should be.
0: I guess that's, what, I mean, that's what I feel too. That like, I see all these people who are, you know, full of hate and so angry and are you know, oh, you know, they won't let me, you know, use the N-word on, on Twitter anymore. It's like, okay. Like, <laughs> I, I live in, I mean, I. when people ask me, like, when would you want to live? Like, if you go back to any time in American history, when would you want to live? I'm like, uh. Never. Like now, maybe, I mean, now's the far- good. the farthest I go back is like maybe 2008. <laughs> Sometimes I want to see the seventies.
1: Sometimes seems kind eh. of like, I mean, I just like feel like I would have liked my choice of downers and uppers, but yeah, other than I mean, that, that's it. Yeah, But like, uh, oh, I, I, I take that back. I really would want to go to Washington DC and watch Vietnam veterans rip off their medals and throw them over the gate at the white house. Cause that would be fucking rad.
0: Yeah, that, that, that is true. Uh, but then you'd have to live through the Reagan years. It's like I don't know about that. So I, I'm just saying that, like, I, I am thankful that of all the times that, you know, this happened, it happened now when yeah. we can develop literal medical miracles in a year.
1: yeah, uh, I don't so know that- how to tell I don't know how to tell tell the vaccine skeptics, but, like, We've had uh, we've had mRNA vaccines kicking around in labs for like a really long time. We just like didn't have a very good reason to bust them out if we weren't sure they were gonna work because it's pretty expensive.
0: And this is why we have to fund basic research because we never know when we're gonna need something. Yes, yes. Yeah. If they're like, well, we have no practical use for it today. It's like, yeah, today. You know what, <laughs> you know what's great though about scientists
1: is they know. like, oh, of course they know. What I love is somewhere someone in some notebook or on a Google doc or something has a formula or something written down that's going to change the world. We just don't have a reason for it to change the world yet, but it's going to happen. It's pretty cool. And this is why even when
0: our politics and increasingly our laws are stupid, our society is not because our society (laughs) is made up of us. And overall, I really do believe that like with most of the people I meet, they are interesting, kind, caring, compassionate people. Yep. And if we foreground that like we would do a lot better because like I was just uh, talking to, uh, I-, I was just, I drove a friend to an interview. Uh, she needed, uh, she was interviewing for, for Tesla and mm-hmm. it was to be a $5 an hour raise. Mm-hmm. And she asked for the, for the, for the wage she wanted, you know? Yep. And, uh, I want to note that the factory is a, a distance uh, from where she lives, but with the $5 an hour raise, she can afford to get a car loan and get a car so she could go to work. Right. Yikes. And okay. she goes to the interview, ask for what she wants. And like, I don't know. That's a little high, but you know what? We'll get back to you. Gets an email two days later with a job offer at the wage she asked for. Awesome. So I'm just saying that like, you know, even that, Making electric cars, you know, they like, <laughs> that's pretty good. That, that That's a pretty good thing. And being able to uh, turn life around. Um, I mean, she had been, uh, she's recently divorced. Um, she had had some personal tragedy and is, is really like striking out on her own for the first time is going through college right now um, that these are the sort of things that help our society function. So this is why, like, I have mixed feelings about someone like Elon Musk, huh. right? but at least one of his companies does something real. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But this is what I mean that like our society overall can be good. If we focus on the things that make it work, we can be
1: and capitalism can be good. If we regulate it heavily, social media can be good. If we regulate it heavily, if we decide on a collective value and reinforce that value with that, which we reward and punish and, you know, Uh, let's just, uh, keep forcing companies and the Elon Musk's of the world to keep rewarding positive contributions to the discourse. Let's say. Thank you.
0: And speaking of positive contributions (laughs) to the world, uh, I hear that you have some hot honey.
1: I do. I make a hot honey at my company. That's metal honey foods. A gentleman online, uh, helpfully tried to tell me that, um, he assumed that I was a hairstylist because I know a lot about hair. And he said, "I'm sure that your uh, job as a hairstylist is satisfying. Maybe you should start a real business." And I said, "You know, it's funny you should mention that. I'm actually not a hairstylist, uh, but I do run a small uh, uh, packaged foods manufacturing company. It's actually doing quite well. We're on we're on track to actually double our profits from last year." Uh, and Congratulations! Then he called me a, thank you. Then he called me a dirty capitalist, and I had to have a <laughs> had to real have a have a real stare into the middle distance about that exchange.
0: So there you go. And I want to note. Know- Having your own hair studio is a real business.
1: It's also a real business. It's also a very, very hard business. It's a business that deals in consumables. And that is an incredibly difficult thing to uh, to budget for and plan for. And it's a person-to-person base. So if you get, like, one crazy person in there, that, that person could wreck your whole salon business. Yeah. Anyway, hairstylists, y- you guys are great. You keep us yeah. all from looking, like, raggedy real real raggedy Yans and Andes. And
0: I, I miss my hairstylist in Indiana and in St. Louis because I have yet to find one here uh, that doesn't make me look like, um, doesn't make me look like an accountant. I was going to say the little, the kid from Up. Yeah. Uh, there's this very specific um, Japanese uh, emotion uh, <laughs> um, that it translates to... Um, the feeling that you look worse, the fear that you look worse after a haircut. <laughs> um, and I have that constantly.
1: Ah, oh, that's amazing. That sounds like it's going to show up as one of those. Uh, you know how the Japanese do uh, costumes of like everyday situations and mm-hmm. it's absolutely hysterical. That sounds like one of those, like a bad haircut. I'm a bad haircut for Halloween. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the what's the website again? Oh, it's metalhoney.com m a t a l h o n e y you can find me this week and every week um, through september and then into october for other markets at the original farmers market downtown in indianapolis the sobro farmers market at 49th and college uh, garfield farmers park farmers market in garfield park and at the new indy summer Far- farmers farmers market farmers <laughs> market uh by um uh, at 10th uh, on Tenth Street, Tenth and Jefferson, in that area, come on down to this is real. It's the John Boner Center. I don't know what else to tell to tell you. It's just called the Boner Center.
0: So, I mean, I mean, I guess when I eat uh, scorpion honey, I mean, I'm in the Ooh. right place then. Yeah, yep. got right. blood flowing. <laughs> uh, so uh, you can always reach uh, the podcast at at Perp Stew on Twitter. <laughs> uh, you can also reach us on Facebook. Uh, Please like, subscribe, and share. It really helps us with the algorithm, uh, reaching it out there. If you can drop a five-star review, that'd be really, really, really helpful. Um, Also, I have recorded (laughs) the first episode of ASMR Law. And (laughs) I'm in editing right now. I'm just trying to make the background music correct. It is the Declaration of Independence. Oh, that's amazing. um, And uh, read real slow. Oh, that's Uh, (laughs) amazing. And uh, that will be also coming (laughs) out soon. Um, So I will uh, be dropping a link to that as soon as that comes out. Uh, But that's going to do it. Uh, This has been The Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. I'm Sarah Merle. And until next time, stay curious. Bye.